Welcome to the Chatting with Ingram series of podcasts. I'm Philip Ingram, this is episode 15, and today I'm talking with James Gilding, who's the Managing Director of Cleaning and Environmental Services with the Mighty Group PLC and has been involved in the Nightingale Hospital in Cardiff. Warning, you might actually learn something. Good morning, James. How are you this, this fine, sunny morning? Morning. Yeah, very good, thank you. As we say, it's nice and sunny out there, a bit fresh in the wind. Um, but uh, 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 the dogs are enjoying uh, are enjoying the weather. So it is now. Can you explain a little bit about who you are, um, where you fit into Mighty, and where Mighty fits into this fantastic Nightingale Hospital project? Sure, no problem. So uh, I've been with Mighty for uh, seventeen years now, um, and uh, grew up in the security business. So I started in security and I've, I've had many different roles for Mighty, uh, which has been great because it's allowed me to really develop uh, throughout my career with Mighty and most recently moved into that uh, cleaning and environmental services role. Um, however, with a very close link continued with the security team as that's um, where all of my experience and relationships have come from. Um, Mighty is the leading FM provider for the UK. So the benefit that gives us is uh, scale, uh, depth, uh, capability, um, reach, um, and, you know, 55,000 uh, people that can add value when the chips are down and, and we need to support projects. Where we fit in with uh, Nightingale um, is through government, um, through both Cabinet Office and um, through the NHS in, in uh, Wales, uh, we were asked to support. We started actually with um, uh, technical services support at the Excel of uh, uh, Nightingale, um, and I think uh, that was a very successful uh, mobilisation. Um, I think that was around nine days, as, as I'm sure you're aware from the press there. And so we recently met with the team at uh, Wales um, to talk about principality. Um, it was a very uh, fast uh, burn, very quick requirement to, to turn that around. And I think our positive approach, can-do attitude, and make sure we got the job done was the reason we were, were uh, quickly appointed and, and the, the pressure was that needed to be a same day uh, decision. So that, that's exactly what was done. Wow, corporately a same day decision. Um, now, I understand this Nightingale Hospital is slightly different to the others in that it's tented, but inside the Principality Stadium. Um, how long has it taken you to get it up and is it up and running now? So uh, the facility is a mix of uh, uh, service requirements. Um, there are some tented requirements within the um, uh, Principality. Um, but they also are using the hospitality suites as well um, to, to great effect. I have to say the, the transformation from an arena with hospitality to what looks like a working hospital uh, at a clinical level uh, is, in, is incredible and has been, uh, you know, we've been very proud to be part of that. Uh, just to be clear, we're not, uh, if you like, the principal contractor. We're not in charge of the, the build. Our job is the soft services around it so uh, as, as you point out security uh, uh, cleaning uh, housekeeping catering uh, portering and, um, and catering for me would be both patient and staff um, and then and then you've got stewarding which we would link into that uh, security piece so all of the the soft services projects uh, develop uh, typically will be asked to help out in other areas so supply chain's been really important to to us as well within mighty uh, where we've we've been able to add some value in that regard. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fascinating project. Yes, it is it is up and running. And uh, actually today they'll be they'll be having um, a bit more of an official announcement on that down at the 
a principality this afternoon. Oh, fantastic. And t today, for those that are um, watching this uh, later than today, is the 20th of April. Um, so what are the challenges that uh, you've had to overcome to bring these soft services, which are often the more complex side of uh, putting something, uh, a physical structure together? So I think the, ch the challenges were having to create a specification that was specific to that environment um, at pace, meaning you know within within that within hours within days um and then and then agreeing that so the communication with the client is really important we're having to make decisions so from uh, a starting point uh, we had to have services uh trained staff uh with the right um, uniform ppe skill set uh, available to work within a five-day window so that that presented a huge challenge in itself and getting the right people um, through the door uh, to the right accredited standards of, of uh, screening, vetting, training, etc., was something that you had to work backwards from. So if you said day five was go live, you needed people in training by day three, really. Yeah. You, you, you've got some very short windows there. So the challenges were making sure we had the right people. Uh, the challenges were making sure we had a management team in place on the ground to deliver that. Um, I talked to you a little while ago about the, um, the size and scale of Mighty. So day one, the meeting was seven people at that meeting to discuss and agree how we would map that out and deliver it. Day two, there were 15 uh, of, of the management team, senior uh, middle management helping to, to drive it. By day three, there were 35 people on the ground from MIT, loads of stuff happening. And really, we couldn't have done it any slower than that to have achieved the, the task that we were set by the trust. Well, I've, you know, I find it fascinating. The press jumped up and down as to how fantastic it was that the Chinese built a thousand bed hospital in seven days. And, and mm -hmm. we built a 4,000 bed hospital in uh, XL in nine days. And you're, you're um, helping as part of the project team uh, of a 2,000 bed hospital. And that's been produced in a very, very short period of time as well. Are there, are there any lessons that you've brought out from you know, coming into this major project that you think could be applicable across other projects of similar scales or to other Nightingale hospitals? Yeah. And I think so. I was thinking about this before the before the the call. Um, so for me, those lessons are uh, you know um, these aren't in any particular order. But be brave, be be brave, and be bold in your decision making. Because um, when when the chips are down and the country needs support, you'll be amazed at what people will do to help and and the way that people will, will flex to support. So um, let's talk about who that is that <clears throat> we needed to be brave with. So we needed a large contingent of staff immediately. We committed to make sure that would happen. We weren't quite sure where we would get them all from, but we knew that we had that power and, and passion to make it happen. And people not only wanted to have a job, and obviously there's some tough times out there for people, whether that's um, the roles have been made redundant or people are, are unemployed at the moment, but it wasn't about um, necessarily the earning potential of the role. It was that the role meant they could contribute towards mm. the, against uh, the virus. And we saw that. And we've, the quality of people that have come to support us has been incredible so be brave around believing people will come and support um, on these on these key projects the supply chain our partners there is there is a shortage of supplies out there as we, as we know and it's it's things that you wouldn't even be aware of you know cleaning materials and soaps of, 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 there's the volumes of those have increased exponentially and it's making sure that those supplies are in place on site on time um, and suppliers because of it being a nightingale project you know, they just dropped everything, threw everything out that to support us mm. um, and were very flexible around making that happen. Um, so I think it's reach out and, 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 and ask 
people to help and support. So um, that that I think we saw great uh, great support from. And then uh, for this particular project, one of our challenges was social distancing. It's really really difficult to keep that up when you've got people together for days on end. So our, our discipline there, and I would encourage everybody reminding people how important um, social distance in, social distancing is to defend against the virus, the boring stuff of washing your hands, uh, coughing into a, a, a cloth or into your elbow, um, keeping two metres apart. It's so important and it, and it cannot be ever anywhere than other at the forefront of your mind. So um, you would have seen, if you'd have seen our, our training and our interviewing, massive rooms, 600 person conference rooms with 30, 40 people in yeah. um, time to make sure that we had plenty of space um, and that worked really well for us. Again, one of our first challenges was finding a hotel that was open to host these things in. But again, people stepped forward, hotels stepped forward and said, yeah, we'll open up for you. No, no problem to support. You know, that, that, for me, those are some of those, um, those challenges that we've, we've, we've faced down. With, with all your experience, Mighty, what is it that you think that Mighty brings to the table that um, helps it be so flexible and be able to attack these sorts of large projects so quickly? You know, it's really interesting. I wonder if we can find it and bottle it sometimes because it, it's <laughs> in the DNA of Mighty and it's always been there. Uh, and I've been there 17 years, so not quite from the beginning, but a good many years within the business. And we've, we've always had this, that when a client shouts for help, whether that be that the building's been flooded or there's been a fire, or they need to relocate, or they've had an IT failing. We seem to be at our absolute best. Our teams seem to be able to just perform, you know, almost miracles, just incredible tasks. Um, I've always said that our staff, our frontline staff, will walk over hot coals and through walls for, for, for my team. And never so more has it been proven than on a project like um, uh, the Principality Nightingale. And uh, it's humbling, actually, to see what people will do uh, to support customers and, and to support the country in these times. Uh, uh, you know, we're, you'll have seen it on our, our Twitter feeds and our LinkedIn feeds, but, you know, the sentiment around us being incredibly proud and wanting to thank our teams. It's not um, just words. It's, you know, it's not uh, for a sound bite. It, it, it is because we just don't know what else to say. Uh, it's, it's been incredible. So I think... I think that that is one key point. And then, and then the strength and depth of, of, of capability around skill set of our managers um, and our operators to be able to mobilise. Um, my team are fed up of me saying at pace, but to mobilise that, <laughs> um, uh, again, getting the job done. Uh, we weren't able to ask questions of people or, or, or nice to haves on this. We had to tell people to do something and go and do it and trust them on that. And I guess the last point for me on that would be you have to run with multiple work streams and get together at the end of the day. So right, you go off and do that today. You go off and deal with that today. So whether that be training, induction, equipment, chemicals, um, specification, that had to be done separate work streams, bring everybody back together at the end of the day to make sure we knew where everybody was. And then, you know, a rag, a rag status to make sure we were on point. Um, and that first week, those uh, evening calls were, were vital to know what we were doing the next morning. Well, I, I think this pandemic is one thing that is um, showing that it's not just the military, police, um, fire, ambulance, um, doctors, nurses that are heroes, but it's also all of those that are supporting them as well. Uh, mm. James, thank you very much indeed for giving your time up to speak to me this morning. One of, one of the things that, um, lo looking at this sort of project that would scare me, are the, the, the difficulties of trying to take something that was designed for one purpose and uh, turn it into a project that's designed for another purpose. You know, the power requirements alone for all of the medical equipment that needs to come in um, must be phenomenal. And how do, how do you make sure that the, you know, the power that's coming into the 
um, uh, the stadium is sufficient to do that or, or, or was it and it, it hasn't really been an issue? Yeah, so we've not been involved in those discussions or driving those decisions. What, what I can tell you is obviously that those conversations do come up. The benefit of a big stadium is on, on match day, there's a huge amount of people there, there's a huge amount of activity. So it does, it does need a good level of power requirement. It does have you know, um, the facility for great provisions of water, uh, drainage, yeah. uh, a waste, uh, a structured waste ap approach. So all of those things that you need for hospital were not designed for hospital, but there were, there were the strong makings of a foundation there. And I think, I think it's um, not that anybody would ideally pick a, um, a sports stadium to convert to a, to a hospital, if you like, but uh, funnily enough, there were elements of it that, that um, leaned towards making it, mm more straightforward than, than you might think that being said the the, um, the engineering the design and the, and the building teams uh, what they've done has been incredible um, and at the beginning of the week when we looked around no way are they going to have this looking like a hospital and you know by the end of that week they they transformed uh, many many areas well, of was it, it. were there any pre-prepared plans and bits and pieces for this because you the one thing that um, strikes me is the um, number one threat that there's been at the top of the government um, contingency planning for at least the last 10 years um, and in all local resilience forums is the potential for an influenza type pandemic. Now, if we look at the reaction that there is across the country, it seems that nobody was listening to that. We look at the reaction of business, it seems that no businesses have um, taken this into account in their business continuity planning because everyone seems to be going, this is, this is unprecedented. We knew nothing about it when actually it has been that number one threat for at least 10 years. Um, was was yeah. there anything prepared to try and look at dual roles for um, the, the, the Principality Stadium and, and other things? Um, in, in, in terms of the BCP piece for businesses, yeah. I think that what you'll find with businesses, and I'll talk for my team specifically for our business services team, is we had preparedness. Uh, we have uh, dual running for our um, operations centre. So we've got one over in, in um, Ireland in MyTech. We've got one in Northampton, our GSOC. So we, we've, um, we've got preparedness for general uh, business continuity, disaster management, crisis management, and the principles and practices that we uh, uh, deploy there. Uh, and we do... I'd say regularly, I think, I think we do quite regularly uh, test it. I've been on a number of tests on, on that over the last few years. Whilst they weren't designed around a pandemic, they were designed to help us um, in crisis situations and manage our way through. And so as things unfolded, we did at least have uh, an understanding of whom we needed to support, how quickly we needed to, uh, to, to mobilise. That being said, obviously, when you are hit with a real-world requirement, and it's not a test... <laughs> No, it is, you know, it does focus one's mind and you need, you need to see who's going to step up to the end and deliver. But, but I, think, I think that preparation that Mighty's got and the, and the business con continuity plan that you've got in place is probably one of the reasons why um, it was a logical choice to, uh, to, to, to pick Mighty to come and uh, provide this sort of service. Yeah, and I think, I think we are a, a large organisation on the security side. It's the largest uh, security uh, uh, service in the UK, as you know. Um, and we've grown to that steadily, um, which is the best way, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've got, you know, the experience we've got, which is, you know, people that have been in the commercial world all their careers. We've got, we've got people with police backgrounds at senior level. We've got people that are ex-military. And actually, we need a bit of all of those people. The strength of a management team is in, in our differences, actually. Um, and ha having a real diverse bunch of people in um, 
business services, uh, I think is what's is helping to guide us through this uh, really successfully at the moment. Not that any of us would have wished to, this has been the best team building uh, you could ever imagine, but we would have much rather it be by going canoeing or, or bowling oh, yes. <laughs> the global pandemic. But it's been wonderful to see the team rally together and support each other, reaching out, uh, just checking in on each other on a regular basis. Yeah. Look, it's been hard work, but but uh, there's been lots of great things that have come out of it as well uh, by Mighty and our service partners um, to secure uh, the stadium. Our role there is twofold, really, from a security point of view. Obviously, there is a phys- physical security point of view, but stewarding, um, and making sure that people are in the right PPE, making sure that people adhere to uh, items such as the two-meter rule, those are really important parts of our, our uh, security role as well. So I'd say that uh, whilst absolutely the, the, as you say, the high-level security requirements are uh, important and are uh, uh, on uh, everyone's agenda, the softer security elements there are just as important for us as well, which is, is uh, you know, making sure that we're keeping people safe and secure um, in their day-to-day environment. So when you get through all of this, if you've got one takeaway that you're going to say to yourself, that was really important to me, my team, or anything else, um, what would it be? A really boring answer, but probably the mobilisation and project management piece, having a dedicated person, and I'll give Robin a shout-out, Robin Adger, that... Uh, together that and there's a there's a cast of, of many people obviously working on this but what robin did was held us all to account every day and made sure that nobody missed anything um, and he was very very thorough very meticulous so it's almost a scientific approach to mobilization so even at the pace we were running at where you could easily miss things robin would bring us back to the room and say no 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 let's go through every single line and i want everybody to make sure that they are either on top of it or they have a plan to get back on top of it and it was, you know, in, ma- in many ways, that tedious running through every single item and making sure that we asked difficult questions of each other, being held accountable was the single most important point. So project management, mo- uh, mobilisation, p- detailed plan, I'm afraid, was, was probably the most single important thing that <laughs> we got right in the early days. So, so, so as the MD helping to pull all this together, part of, part of the, the bigger team, have you actually had much time to yourself over the last couple of weeks? Or has it been complete um, chaos? We, so <clears throat> it's a really interesting one. We, we've talked about this because um, I, I do worry about my team um, and those around me. The Easter weekend, I don't think anybody really in the direct team or joined to the team um, supporting the project had any time off at all over Easter. And nobody, nobody minded. They all wanted to do the right thing. And that's important to do. But, it, you know, we, we, we have to recognise that burnout's a real, it's a real yeah. thing. It's not made up. And... People have to have downtime and the added pressure of <clears throat> the uncertainty around the virus, the safety of your family. None of us can say our families are safe. That, that plays on all of our minds. We need to be aware of that. So we, it's really important we have downtime. So one of the things that Marty are doing is making sure that we're, we're sort of challenging each other to take downtime, which I know sounds odd, but if we don't, nobody does at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, we've, I've managed to get out and do a little bit of mountain biking. Um, I play uh, drums obviously I'm not playing with the band at the moment because um, we've got a socially distance um, but you know I can plug in a set of headphones and, and do a bit of drumming for, for relaxation spend time with my my, my wife kids and, and dogs and we've got a field just opposite so we're trying to discipline ourselves to, to do that we don't always succeed but I think if we are challenging each other say what have you done what time did you spend with your family over the weekend and then as, as individuals if we see an email coming on our phone and it's not critical, 
then let's not respond. Because if I send an email as the MD, everybody has to respond. They feel they have to respond. Yeah. I'm trying to, um, and I've, I've failed miserably on a few occasions, to be fair. But this, this weekend was the first one where I think I was quite disciplined, didn't send too many uh, emails. And um, we didn't have conference calls on a Saturday or Sunday night, which was nice for everybody. <laughs> Though I'm sure a few of the team did, but uh, I, I, it wasn't because of me this weekend. So, Well, you know, I'm, I'm ex-military and the, being in lockdown is um, a little bit like being in operations, except people aren't trying to shoot at you or, or blow you up. Um, mind you, on operations, we didn't have many pandemic viruses that were out there that could be mm. easy to get. But the, 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 the pressures are um, surprisingly similar in many ways. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the longer term after effects are for people. Yeah, so I think there was an article. And, and, and again, I think I've tried to learn not to read the news every, every moment of the day because actually you could be paralysed by uh, some of the bad news that's out there. Obviously, bad news sells headlines uh, better than, than good news on occasions. Um, but there was a note about PTSD for doctors and nurses. And I, and I would include that for frontline workers, such yeah. as security in hospitals, yeah. such as cleaners and caterers in hospitals, because they are full PPE, cleaning up and supporting the, the frontline nurses and doctors. And, and I think that's something we need to be mindful of. And um, when we take a breath at the end of this, and let us hope that comes sooner rather than later, that um, follow-up support uh, and welfare, I think it's going to be a really important area for us all to invest in. Um, and I know it's already on the agenda at Mighty at a senior level. Uh, it is. And, and having been someone who suffered from PTSD quite badly um, after operations for, because I wasn't looked after while I was in the military uh, at mm. all and, and seeing the impact that it is, it's, it's good to know that you're thinking about it. And, it, and it's important. And it's one of these things that if caught very early, it can very easily be um, mitigated um, like any threat that's out there. It's, it's, it's like having a, you know, a, a bug, uh, not COVID-19, um, but it's, it's, like, it's like having a bug. If you, if you treat it early, you treat it properly, um, you can, you can um, nine times out of 10 um, deal, with, deal with it without any serious intervention whatsoever. If you don't, it can go on and become serious. Yeah, and I think, I think that, um, and again, with, with us being such a, a large people business, um, uh, that uh, early engagement from a, from a support point of view, whether that be through HR, occupational health, et cetera, uh, and working with other uh, parties around us, whether that be through you know, our medical teams, our private medical uh, offering to our, to our staff, then you know, I think you know, we're trying to get that offering right um, and continue to support our, our, our people. I'm sure there'll be lessons to learn for all of us. This is a unique set of circumstances that there is no blueprint for. Yeah. And I think we have to you know, we have to try new ways of working, uh, new ways of supporting our teams and, and adjust as we go. So we might not get it right every time, but let's make sure that we, we try new things. If we don't get them quite right, let's tweak them and make sure that we, we develop and, and, and fine tune them, if you like. Uh, and as I say, it's unfortunately, there isn't, um, unless you've got one, there isn't a, a blueprint for a global pandemic that's impacted the globe as much as this. And sorry, last point, of course, we, we don't just have that impact of, of, of mental well-being from um, physically what's uh, happened on the front line and perhaps friends and family being affected but you know there will be some economic impact for all of us in the in the years to come as we uh, recover from this and I think um, that can have um, impact uh, socially uh, and mentally on, on our teams as well so another one for us to, to watch out for so let's hope lots of organizations are planning for a big well-being push in, in the future as part of that recovery. Well, James, I think on that point, that's a, a good positive uh, to, to finish on. It's been a real pleasure okay. speaking to you this morning on the With Ingram series of podcasts. Thank you.